This afternoon on the Dewpoint Report, I'll be talking about poetry and the importance of finishing what one begins, no matter how difficult it can be to write poetry. And then also I'll be talking about some events happening in the world that have impacted many, many people around the world. But first, let's begin with poetry. I don't like to share my poetry very often because when people write, it's often very symbolic of where one is at a moment in time. However, I had to do a little happy dance this afternoon because there was a particular poem that took me, oh, 11 years to finish. And I say that because I finished it today. I began in 2008 to write this poem. And whoa, let me tell you, I would pick it up, write a little bit, put it down, write a little bit more, pick it up again, write a little bit more, put it down, so on and so forth, I think you understand. And then today, I finally had what were the final words it would take to complete the poem. And here we are. Now, I can't be the person to tell you whether it's an epic poem, whether it is astounding, whether it is boring, whether it is dull. That is really up to the person listening or reading the poem. Because any time an individual takes the moment to write their thoughts, it really puts something out into the ethos and opens it up to interpretation. And here we are, a moment in time. I will begin. It is entitled, You Are the Dew. Do you know who I am? Soy aquella chiquilla. Soy la chiquilla que no se deja. Soy una chiquis. Soy amable. Soy cobarde. Soy arriesgada. Soy espejo. Soy alegría. Soy tristeza. Soy sonrisa. Soy orgullosa. Soy amor. Yo te veo y tú me ves. Pero no nos conocemos. Somos la misma. El dualismo nos separa y el dualismo nos conecta. Dos, uno, uno, dos. Busco alegría. Busco fuerza. Busco atención, busco, 
busco lo que ya encontré. The end. You can see that it isn't the longest of poems, nor is it the shortest of poems. I also didn't let you know in advance that it was in a different language. I grew up in a predominantly Spanish-speaking home, and although I picked it up fairly quickly growing up, I learned both languages at the same time, you could say, simultaneously, because I was learning English in school and spoke Spanish at home, but then also English, because my older brothers and sisters also spoke English. And so it is very interesting that it was the formality of learning a different language did come through in my college years. And I am reminded of a conversation the professor had with us at the beginning of one of the courses where she said, Now everything you know you need to set aside. We are going to begin anew. She didn't do that to belittle anything we may have already known. She did that in order to set a precedent in her classroom that we were all to begin at the same level. And while some people may have had advanced training in grammar and such, others may not have had the same training. She wanted everyone to begin the same. And I would learn to appreciate that because while I had had classes in high school, the lessons that she taught were important and at any point in time, it really is essential, no matter the language that one does learn, as a second language, the necessity to have the grammar, the written, the spoken, that all of that be continuously practiced. Because it is true, if you don't use the languages that you learn, you lose them. That is so important. And so this poem, to be finished, is quite a feat. I don't mean feat like the feat we walk on. I mean feat as in an accomplishment, a personal accomplishment on my part. Because though I may have begun this poem, in 2008, and my life has changed quite a bit. It still was important to complete this because it says something 
to be able to complete what has been left unfinished. We can't just leave things unfinished. And so after this break, we'll talk about some of the other items and issues that are happening around the world that are so important to think about. And welcome back from the break. Here at the Dewpoint Report, we often talk about different things having to do with society and how it intersects with us here at our point of view in the digital electronic world in which we live in and the everyday lives in which we have to exist in and how important it is to have peace in our everyday life between the two. What does that mean? Well, there's so much that goes on in our everyday lives and it often can go by so quickly. between our having to get to places, having to meet deadlines, appointments, and getting to some place, and having to turn things in by a certain time frame. Those are all very important. However, Balancing that with not stressing ourselves out too much in the process. What some people call recognizing a sense of mindfulness about ourselves and our surroundings. Again, what does that mean? Well, it can be very easy to become overwhelmed by everyday things because life can pass us by so quickly that every now and then we have to take a step back and recognize we are yes we are important however we are also part of something much larger than ourselves what that is to each and every one of us depends on each and every one of us and our belief systems, our value sets, our community identities. Which means I can't tell each and every person listening 
what to believe, I can simply remind each and every person listening that as you grow in life, you are surrounded by people, wise people, and if you don't have them in your immediate circle of people you trust, you often find them through acquaintances. These are wise people who imbue a sense of values, belief systems, which help help us better understand what our existence on this planet means and what it means for us beyond our current existence as we are constantly trying to better define that for ourselves. Now, as I move from the theoretical, this broader conversation, to a more specific, what's the detail of what I mean? And some people just want the tangible. Just give me the details. What do you really mean? Recently, there were some world events that occurred uh, to which I responded on uh, my Twitter. I don't often respond on my Twitter. However, I took the time to. And I'm referring to the Notre Dame Cathedral and what happened there in Paris. As tragic as that is, I am reminded on the news that Emmanuel Macron has vowed to rebuild the cathedral within five years. And that dedication on Paris's part is quite significant because bringing back the cathedral in its meaning, not only what it means to Paris, but what it means to the world, uh, is quite important. Uh, and I'll explain why. I think sometimes people have a tendency to um, want to understand why do certain people talk about some subjects and not others? And I thought, that's very true. I guess there would be some curiosity. Why would, why, why would I weigh in, for example, on the Notre Dame Cathedral? When I've never been, but I certainly have admired its presence and its significance to the world. So I shall explain. Not only do I understand from a significance what it means to lose something and recognize that it, it shall come back, it certainly shall. It will take time to rebuild. But the importance of it has to be understood. Now, on the one note, I understand it from a level of faith. Um, now, whether it was of my same faith or not, I think I would still be saddened by what happened because it still is tragic. 
But it's even more tragic because it happened to a cathedral which is of my same faith. So I perhaps I understand it at an even deeper level. And then, of course, what do I mean by recognizing that something can um, can be gone and then be rebuilt? My own home has fallen before while I was in it. And we had to, as a family, rebuild. And that took time. And what do I mean by I was in it? There were several of us that were in the home when the natural disaster struck. And I had the wherewithal to take appropriate measures, which we were trained back then, and children still are these days, to do what they need to, to protect ourselves so that we are as safe as possible within a falling building. And this home that had been standing for over a hundred years suddenly fell off its foundation and had moved several feet. Now, we were still alive those of us that were in the home. And I remember my mother saying to us, because we were still fairly young, we were teenagers, a few of us, myself and, and a niece, were outside with her after the neighbor helped turn off the natural gas line and make sure that uh, we were outside. And we were crying, and she said to us, because we were worried about, you know, the house fell and everything. And, um, one of my sisters had gone to check on another sister, and a nephew was at the um, corner store. He had gone to get something to um, for dinner, because it was about dinner time. He still had not returned. So there was still a little bit of some folks were checking on other folks kind of thing. And so at that particular conversation, in that particular moment, it was just my mother, a niece, and I. And the niece and I were crying because we'd lost the home. And my mom, in her calmest of voices, said to us, not to worry because we had our lives and we had our faith. And what it took for her to say that and to remind us that we would rebuild I know now that she was very worried and she just couldn't show it. She had to be strong for all of us. 
But in those moments, there are some people that show a sense of strength so important that it lifts the spirits of others, making them feel like they can be anything in this world. And so later, there were people who helped us make sure that we were okay, you know, obviously checking in on us. And we did rebuild as we could. And all worked out. I mean, I, I'm summarizing. But what I was fortunate to have been able to do was my teachers asked me to write my thoughts down on what had happened and how I felt at those particular moments. And I have to say, it is an invaluable process that I went through at those particular moments to have written down my thoughts. I wrote short thought after short thought, and then eventually, in a lovely way, I synthesized that afternoon. And I'll share it with you, because I think any person should, no matter what tragedy they go through, synthesize their thought of tragedy. It will make them feel better. And they will check in on themselves from time to time. I have had some remarkable teachers. I cannot emphasize that enough. And so I titled this short Fault Without Fault. What seemed to have begun as an unusually hot summer day ended in sudden disastrous terror. At exactly 5.04, on October 17th, 1989, just as I was in the process of clearing the table for dinner, the floor began to move in sudden wave-like motions. I ran frantically for the nearest area of shelter, frantically screaming to my nieces and nephews to take over somewhere safe such as under the table. To my surprise, they were almost safely covered in less than three seconds. The niece came trampling into the kitchen. At that moment, I focused on the china as it scattered aimlessly. 
I continued to call myself, explained that it would soon be over. So much disaster there seemed to be no end. The wave-like motions were extremely fierce, and no matter how hard I held on to the doorway, it seemed not to make a difference. One of the fierce waves threw me forward, almost making me hit the wall parallel to my face. The second one pulled me back so hard it was with great difficulty that I hung on. Avoiding by a small margin the wall behind me. One more fierce shift of earthly plates pulled me to a 70 degree angle and it was then that I realized the house had fallen from its foundation. While the earth postponed its earthly movement, my mother wanted to gather the children to see they were all safe, but I could not keep silent what I had witnessed. The house has fallen, I screamed. The house has fallen. Get out now. My mother initially did not believe what I had told her, until I showed her that the porch was four feet away from its original location. The porch had remained on the ground. It's the house that had moved with the earth's movements. Once outside, we could hear and smell natural gas. We ran to the front lawn in search of someone to shut off the gas valve. Luckily, our neighbor was home. He shut it off and tried to comfort us. We had nowhere to go, and this helplessness did not leave and has not left yet. When man builds foundations from the earthquake, he has learned that the most important foundation to build is one in our souls. Yeah. And so I wrote this my senior year in high school because the earthquake happened my junior year in high school. And although what happened at the Notre Dame Cathedral was not an earthquake, it was something that devastated the building in such a way that it is traumatizing to not only the structure, but to the people who inhabit the area and the people who worship. And what I don't talk about in this short is our parish, our church also fell in this same earthquake. And we also had to take the time to have it rebuilt and that took years it took at least three years and so when Macron says he vows for it to be rebuilt in five I can see that even that seems like a short timetable because the Notre Dame Cathedral as intricate and elaborate as it architecture is it would seem might take longer because of all the restoration that might go into that however I'm not an expert
but I certainly know that I have seen with my own eyes, felt with my own hands, and shifted with my own bodies the movement of the earth when it decides a building will go down. But I have also seen with my own eyes when a building goes back up. And it takes years, but with faith, tenacity, and from what I am hearing, many of the people, the families, the benefactors that are already pledging to make this possible, this renewal, rebuilding, restoration possible. It seems to me they will return a Notre Dame Cathedral to Paris. as was before. Because I know that where I once worshipped and still worship is a church. And though some parishioners have come and gone, The building stands, the faith holds strong, as my mother said, when you have faith, you are always strong. And I guess when I make comments, as I did on my Twitter, about what is most critical will be restored, I wasn't being facetious in my comment. I was merely thinking of experience, that sometimes not everything returns. Yet, even in faith, there is renewal. And what I have found over the years is we might find ourselves to have more in common with people we don't know than we have ever thought. And truly, it shouldn't take disasters to figure that out. After all, we are all members of humanity. There is something about 
a moment that brings us together. It could be a joyous moment at times. I know I'm talking about this right now, but sometimes it can be a joyous moment where there are renewals of kindness. And that kindness can continue. And perhaps if there were more of those, we would be reminded of our common denominator, which is humanity. After this break, I'll talk about a little more that's going on in the world. And perhaps I'll bring a little levity to the situation of my commentary. And in case you forgot, you're listening to the Dewpoint Report with your host, Margarita. And welcome back from the break. Well, I did mention that I would provide a little bit of levity from the previous segment, which focused on the tragic fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral, which I did go into a lot of a lot of depth about a personal tragedy that I had faced uh, in nineteen eighty nine as well. And I explained that in quite a bit of detail. I don't often talk about that, but I certainly did uh, go into depth today. So, levity. But before we get to that, what did I mean about uh, so many people pledging to the restoration of the cathedral? Well, with just over 900 million it may be pounds. Well, I'm not sure if it's pounds or dollars. If anyone knows specifically, they can correct me on that. But with almost a billion dollars pledged from families ranging from the Penault family to fashion houses, Christian Dior, Givenchy, Saint Laurent, Gucci, and so on, People have been pledging their support to help restore the cathedral. 
And a lot of people don't realize that the Notre Dame Cathedral is technically owned by Paris. It's owned by Paris because of its invaluable worth, for one, but for two, that it absolutely has the, over time and historically, since it's over 700 years old, has been a place where people not only worship, but they come to see it as the center of Paris. Now, it actually is technically at the center of Paris. So that is a sense of dualism. Now, I know you must be tired of me talking about dualism, and this is actually the purpose of the podcast, dualism. Thus, the Dewpoint Report, the duality of life. And it led me to think about this poem that took me 11 years to write. 11 years! I'm kind of flabbergasted still to this point, but I actually finished it. I mean, oh my gosh, there's some things I actually haven't finished yet that I'm still writing chapters on that I still think someday I'll finish that. But I, for some reason, it's just like so difficult. Anyway, I digress. The dualism. Now, I called it the duality. Uh, the the dew point is you, or you are the dew point. I titled it that because dualism has been fermenting in my brain for years. I had written that down as one of the verses, actually two lines in the poem. And the reason being is this way of writing I've done for a while in my poetry where I go back and forth of the this and the that. No, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to write a limerick here or anything. Just noting a pattern. And it is a little bit characteristic of a style of writing which juxtaposes itself and I rather enjoy that what do I mean by enjoying that um hmm Just as in anything in life, such as with this podcast, and trying to understand the duality of responsibilities we have to understanding two sides of any story, two understandings of a word, I was also taken aback by the fact that someone might not understand what I meant by the poem when I kept repeating the word soy. I was not referring to soy milk or soy the nut. I was noting in Spanish 
the term I am. And the repetition of the term I am. So, I can see how someone may have been like, why does she keep saying soy? Is she trying to sell milk? What's going on there? So I wanted to point that out, that I can be a goofball from time to time, especially when I start talking about squirrels. If anyone has ever heard me talk about Wally the squirrel that hangs out in the neighborhood, which I renamed Chewy, and there's this whole conversation to be had about that, but that's for another day because he switched from eating walnuts to eating avocado nuts, and I'm trying to figure out where he found the avocado seed or the avocado, and how much of the avocado he actually eats, because he ends up only bringing the seed around here, and not the actual avocado. So it's interesting. And he used to actually bring the entire walnut, but now he just brings the avocado seed. So anyway, that's a different conversation for a different day. Someday I'll have an entire podcast dedicated to this squirrel, who's quite interesting, and has a whole personality into an of his, of uh, how would I say a whole personality to and of himself <laughs> because he he actually looks both ways when he crosses the street so I think he's quite intelligent this squirrel anyway that's a different podcast for another day uh, maybe I'll have to have like a humor day. Um, as for now, I think I will end this segment. And so until next time, on the Dew Point Report... Enjoy your afternoon. Whether you are recognizing the weather or whether you are enjoying the afternoon for what it really is. An enjoyable spring afternoon. Enjoy it. Be delighted by something delightful. Take care. See you on the other side.